This is the Kaniac Report. I am Sam Wallace. And I am Sam Driscoll. And you know what? What? I think the injury bug's hitting this team now. Yes, it is. Good week, and Sam, it's been a kind of a rocky start, uh, or, or, or a rocky week that we've had with the Hurricanes. Yeah, it, it hasn't really gone well. Um, it's it's frustrating because they get a lot of they got a lot of chances. We'll just a quick, you know, with the Colorado game last night, they had a lot of good chances. I mean, Aho just looked like a disaster all night. He just could not find the handle on the puck at all. Anytime the puck came near him, he, it seemed like he fanned on every shot he took, except he had one shot on goal. And it wasn't even a good shot. Um, he had several chances. But. Yeah, I mean, he just he fanned on the puck, whiffed on it. So it's yeah, frustrating. It is. And we'll get to that game. Uh, first things first, we'll get to some Kane's news. And the first thing I want to talk about, this was during the Florida game, is that there was a special moment for the Stahl brothers. It was Mark, Eric, who were with the Florida and team, and then Jordan, obviously. All three of them took pictures, took pictures together. I thought that was a good moment. We haven't had a moment like that in a long time. Yeah, I mean, I've you. Everyone knows that I've advocated for Eric coming back to Carolina. Uh, I still think when he retires, he still retires as a Hurricane. So we'll see. I think his number goes in the rafters, along with hopefully Cam Ward's at some point. I think you disrespect both of those guys by not hanging them up in the rafters. They both helped bring a cup here. Uh, one captain this franchise through the toughest time in Hurricanes history, and it certainly wasn't his fault that we went through those times. And then one was a goaltender who had to deal with a pretty rough defense most of those times and had to play 60 plus games a year um but yeah i love jordan eric and mark i i, I think i honestly thought that instead of chatfield i mean i argued too at the beginning of the offseason because mark Stahl was a unrestricted free agent i thought he would have been a good addition to the team just for the fact that he's a good stay-at-home defenseman he's still got it you know he's not going to get you the, the points that he may have used to produce but he's going to be a good third pairing, reliable defenseman on the back end. You know, Dehan and Stahl, I think, would have been a good third pairing defenseman. Yes, and it 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 really was a good night for all the Stahl brothers during that Florida game, which we will get to in a second. Another bit of news: this isn't really dealing with much of hockey, but uh, the band Hood Hoodie and the Blowfish will be performing at the outdoor game uh, against the Capitals. I know you. Probably don't know much about them. I know a couple of their songs. Um, most notably, um, right now, one of their band members is Darius Rucker, who sang Wagon Wheel and is a pretty successful country artist right now. Uh, but I do know a couple of their songs here, and I'll pull them up. Um, a couple of their notable songs are Hold My Hand and Let Her Cry, Only Want to Be With You. So I think it's going to be... Um, a fun game all around. I mean, we knew there's all there's always going to be a band performing at these outdoor games. That's pretty much a given. Yeah, I mean, I I really have no comment. I don't know anything about <laughs> them. So cool, I guess. Yeah, cool. But uh, we'll 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 see how they do during the outdoor game, and it's going to be fun. I'm just glad uh, it's not a rap. 
a rapper. I can't stand rap. I, I don't like country either, but I will, I will, t- country I can tolerate significantly more than I can tolerate rap. And I know all the haters are going to hate on that, but I don't care. I don't like rap. I don't like country. But if you have to put one in front of me for a hockey game, please, for the love of God, make it country. That's music. <laughs> that is music. At least that's music. I just don't like it. Rap isn't music. Again, everyone's going to hate that's, you for that's that. Your, that's your preference, okay? Everybody has their preferences when it comes to music. Um, I'm right, though, so that's okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, uh, the next news we want to get to is um, Svetch got his 100-goal night as a hurricane during the Edmonton game. Congratulate to him. Took, I mean, it took him a few seasons, but that's fine. He finally got to goal 100, and also I think he has been doing very good uh this season so far was fetch there's been yeah. a couple games where well, i think you're not going to score every game and you're not going to yeah, be yeah uh, you're not you're not going to be on your game every game that happens just like you know aho was off his game against colorado that's rare and far and few between that you're an elite player like that and you're not playing well hs and fetch have been the two best players on this team that shouldn't be the case just just going to say that it should not be the case aho should be the best then fetch then Turbo, then you've got Natchez, right, and Jarvis. They, they should be your top players. So far, Natchez and Svetch are carrying the team. That's concerning. Uh, but I think Ajo overall has been fine. I just don't think he has really shown... I, I feel like he should be getting closer to 100 points this season. And I don't think he's there yet. Um, I think... It, but last night, I don't know, maybe... He, la, the, the game last night just it concerns me. Not that he doesn't have the skill or the ability to do it, but that he might be hurt. He just seemed off. Like, really off. And that's odd for him. It kind of reminded me a little bit of Tavo all season. He's been off. And now he's hurt. Yes. And that goes into the news next that we'll present to you guys. Both Frederick Anderson and Tara Vinan are both put on IR. With Freddie, it's, that was retroactive. So he only, minim, minimum, he has to miss two games. So we already had one down at Chicago. So technically, Anderson would be eligible to be activated and play against Colorado this week. I don't know if that's going to happen. They really have been pretty mute on the nature of his injured injury. I don't know how significant or how minor it is, if it's relating to what happened during last season, where we're at. Is this long-term, short-term? I feel like if it was long-term, they would have LTIR'd him already, but I guess that might not be the case. But, I mean, to be fair, I don't think Pacioretty's on LTIR. So Pacioretty is on LTIR in order to, I think be given some cap space when we still had Ethan Bear. I don't think Pacioretty's on it. Well, he might be. I just, I don't remember him being put on LTI. I know Jake Gardner's on LTIR. Yes. Um, but either way, it's concerning to put those two players on Yes, LTIR. it is. The starting goalie and a top six forward. Um, between the two, I'm probably a, maybe a little bit more optimistic with um, Anderson, maybe it's not by much. I I just think with Anderson, Anderson since kind of he's your starting goaltender, even though Ronda I believe has taken that realm so far because he's been playing a little shaky. Uh, he he's still the goalie you kind of want to ride into the playoffs. And with Anderson, I wonder if there's some precautionary stuff 
more on his side than there is with Tara Vinan. I just kind of, I think it's interesting. I think the two players on this team who have been the most concerning throughout the first however many odd games we've played have been Tara Vinan and Frederick Anderson, both who are now hurt. There was no... Um, now, Anderson was hurt before was her before yes. last season. Yes. There was no noticeable anything in the game when I think it was against the Oilers when they took out when Terravine and left. There was nothing that happened. He celebrated a goal and then that was it. We never saw him again. So makes me think he's been hurt all season. Tried to play through it. Whatever it is has been aggravated badly. Because Rendemore said the other day, he's gonna. It's out. It sounds like this is gonna be a while. So at this point, I mean, I don't know how long that is. Is are we talking? He's coming back the same time. Patch ready's coming back. Are we talking? It's only gonna be like a week or two. Are we talking? This is week to week. Are we talking day to day? Are we talking month to month? Like you know, is this a concern? Because I think if this is a significant amount of time, I think you have to explore options of what you're gonna do. To fix it. Now, I've heard the rumors are, and it sounds like I think Kevin Weeks said it too, Pacioretty's close to getting on the ice. Once he's on the ice, I think we're getting closer to him actually playing in an NHL game. So now it's like, okay, Pacioretty might come back. Sounds like maybe December or January. I mean, that would be great. I'm still thinking, you know, closer to the deadline to keep, you know, but optimistic could be sooner. You need one of those two pieces back as soon as you can. You cannot keep playing without them. Caroline is on pace, I think you said, for 111 points. points. Yes. So I don't think this team should not be on freakout mode. They're still no, you top three. You shouldn't be concerned. I think the only, my, again, my only concern is the hope is it was just a bad night for Ajo, and it's not an indicator of he's hurt. So let's just hope that um, that's the case. But it makes me—I th- I, do—I I tend to—I tend to believe Teravine was playing through something. He hasn't been very good, and nothing that I can recall—I don't think anyone could really recall anything to have caused Teravine to get hurt. He took himself out of the game, and Teravine likes to play. So I think he had just kept trying and trying and trying, and it just wasn't happening. So he, he took himself out. Yeah. So it's definitely possible that Teravina might have been fighting through an injury uh, during the season. Uh, but um, again, we're just speculating. I do think it is possible, though. Yeah. Um, with Anderson, I'm, I, I don't know how bad the injury is. I wonder, because he had an injury last season, if um, we hurt that. So we'll see how that goes. Um, what I did hear with Tara Vinan, though, is it might have been dealt with the head. And I hate those head injuries. I really do. But that's, I think, what I heard. Um, it might have been from Adam Gold. I'm not so sure. But we, I, the best thing to just do right now as fans is just to hope that they get healthy and get back in the lineup as soon as possible. So let's get on to the games. Uh, Carolina at Florida. This we have is to? <laughs> what this is what I call a dud. Nothing worked. To me, this was the only game where nothing worked at all. Canes were except off the sync, except for the goaltending and the. Uh, 
I, I thought the penalty kill was pretty good, although I yeah. can't remember if Florida scored on the power play. I mean, the hurricane. There was some delight in this game. Oh, it, it was kill. it was frustrating to watch. They just they couldn't get anything you know sustained pressure in. But oh my goodness, Auntie Ranta was just outstanding. Oh, he was. Um, to me, uh, this game at Florida. Looking at the games from this past week. To me, this was the worst game I had to watch. Yeah. Because it was, a, like I said, it's, it was a complete dud. With the Colorado loss, and, um, I mean, we already talked about the Toronto game. That was a loss, too. They, at some points, they had their game going. But Florida, they just could not get their game going at all, whatsoever. No. It, I mean, it was just like, okay. And, you know, the, Florida's a good team. Um, but I have a point to make about this. I'll do it after we go through the games. But um, Carolina couldn't find it against a good team. I think that's really the takeaway here. I mean, Florida wins it 3 to nothing. You, I mean, you got great players here and, and Barkov getting a goal. Sam Bennett, he's a player I, I remember, right? I think Adam Gold and a few others were like, you know, Carolina should have targeted him a couple years ago and, and – um, and that at the deadline, because he would have been a great addition to this team too. Uh, Cousins, he's fine. He's not great, but he's he's not a bad. depth. He's a depth forward. Yeah, but you. So, I mean, this kind of just shows. This is basically their whole line. You know, their whole forward roster. You know, you got first, second, third. You know, your your top player calculating in. I mean, it didn't matter. They could have stopped at the Cousins goal. We got nothing. I mean, Carolina just didn't look good. No, they did not. And the game ended with a three nothing shutout. Spencer Knight was in goal for them. And too bad I had Bobrovsky in fantasy. I mean, if you know if you're gonna beat us, I would have liked to have gotten fantasy I, points. <laughs> I have Bobrovsky in fantasy too, so I was a little disappointed to see Knight uh-huh. in. Uh, but I'm not gonna talk much about this game other than the fact that I think this loss was different than the Colorado and the Toronto loss. They played their game this game. They did not. Even the Edmonton game when we played an out in Edmonton, Carolina's offense was very good. Again, their defense didn't show. And goaltending was a little bit rocky. Uh, This game was kind of different. Again, the goaltending was there. And you hate that for Freddie. Or not Freddie, for Ranta, because... You know, I hate to waste such an amazing effort, such an amazing performance on such a, a tough game. I mean, just I think there was the Cousins goal, the first goal where Coglin just kind of stopped. And it's like, what in the world are you doing, man? Like, you don't stop skating when the guy's in front of your net. And he just did. You saw, you saw it happening. It was like a train yeah. wreck. You knew exactly what was going to happen. And Coglin just didn't care. He didn't stop. I, I I think it's upsetting, and it's important to know, because this is the last game I think Coughlin has played in, because I don't think he played against the Oilers, and, I, and he didn't play last night against Colorado. No, because... Because this game was horrible for him. Yeah, it was. Uh, not just the Cousins goal, but if you remember, uh, leading up to the Barkov goal, he ices the puck where um, the fourth line was still out there. Florida is now getting the Barkov line on. You can't do that. Yep. You cannot have your fourth line against the Barkov line. You no. just can't. And Barkov scores from that. And you just, you can't. I will tell you right now, in preseason, Coglin impressed me probably more than anybody else did. He looked very, very good. And that just shows where you have preseason hockey. It's very, very different from regular season. It Sometimes is. it'll translate. It, with Natchez and Svechnikov, preseason to regular season, it translated. For Coglin, it did not translate. But now that's when you're playing against people like, you know, 
minor league hockey players where Coglin is maybe a seventh, eighth defenseman in the NHL. He might be a top pairing, top four defenseman in, in, the, in the minors. But I think you got to do something there. I don't think Ethan Bear was the answer. I'm glad he's gone, that the cap is gone. Most of the cap is gone. I don't believe the answer is necessarily in here and the organization. I'm not opposed to maybe bringing up Maxime Lejoie and giving him a game. I don't think that's a bad idea. No, I, I actually really don't. And it, I also really wouldn't mind if we did a swap of sending Coglin down, bringing up Lejoie, because I think Lejoie has better skating ability. Yeah, and than he's a very fast player. He looked, Coglin does. I think we have Lejoie, who's very fast, Coglin, who's very slow. Coglin's got the better shot, but at this point, that's not what you need on that pair. And Chatfield's got a good shot, too. So I don't know if the Hurricanes have what they need in the in the system. This always seems to be the issue. The last few years, it's been that third-pairing defense. Well, I honestly, look, say what you want about Ian, Ian Cole. He, he's a scumbag. But the Ian Cole-Brendan Smith defensive pairing was solid. It was not. And to be honest, I was a little surprised. Uh, I mean, Ian Cole thing, I mean, I'm that not bridge taking, is burned. I'm not taking into account, I'm not taking any of the personal issues that he has. He's not a good person. He's, you know, that's just, that was a problem that happened here in Carolina. Other stuff has come out that was proven not to be, and it was proven to not be accurate by the league. But I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about his on-ice performance was was good with the third pairing with Brendan Smith. We need something like that. So we've got DeHaan, who I think is great. I would like to see something else there. So, like, who's available? If there's a player out there, a veteran, to come in. Well, you probably need as a right-shot defenseman to help with Chatfield. Now, do I think Chatfield at times can be top six defenseman? Yes, but I don't know how I feel about writing him in the playoffs, is my question. Yeah, I mean, you can you just you want to see what's available, and I think that's not a bad idea to to replace Coglin. So you can swap Dahan and Chatfield out, or you can rotate the three. Um, I don't know. I'd like to see see what's out there, see what you could bring in. Um, it, I mean, it doesn't. It's probably not going to be a big move. If we're no, I mean, it doesn't need defense. to be a big move. It doesn't need to be yeah. big. It just needs to be somebody who's a third pairing defenseman or whatever. I don't care if they're right or left shot in all honesty. You just need somebody who's able to come in and, and play. And I liked Brendan Smith when he was with us. I wish we kind of signed him. Um, but yeah, that Florida game, that was a complete dud. And now let's get on to the only win of the week <laughs> with Edmonton. That was a game that we needed. It was a very, very good game. Uh, first period is Svechnikov. He gets a goal from Ter Vinan and Ajo. And we're going to hear about uh, Svech a lot uh, during this game. And then in the second period, you have Burns uh, scoring from Natchez and Ter Vinan. That was actually on the power play. And after, that was right when Ter Vinan came out. Yes, that was when Teravine came out. And, and then, that's unfortunate. He, he yeah. was doing so good. So I, I thought everybody played great in the Edmonton game. Yeah, and I don't. I just, I wish I knew. I wish I knew more about what. I feel like if he was in concussion protocol, 
they would have said he was in the concussion protocol, which they have not. They have not yeah, they really that. haven't. They've said absolutely nothing about Terravine, and we'll see if we get more when they get back to Raleigh. Um, or maybe some more. Maybe we'll hear more tomorrow. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but then Edmonton scores from Zach Hyman on the power play. Kind of deflating that this is on the power play. I, I mean, I don't think our penalty kill has been bad, but it can be better. Yeah, it, it really can. And then Svech scores the second goal from Netchus, and and then Stahl scores at the end of the second with like one second left uh, from Martin Rook and Slavin. And to me, that Stahl goal was a turning point in the Edmonton game because it is now four to one Carolina heading into the third period. And then in the third period, you have McDavid doing McDavid-like things. Scoring a goal, which makes it four to two, and at, when it was four to two, I can tell there are some Canes fans being like, "Oh boy, are they going to come back?" They have the offense for it, but they didn't. Martinook uh, scores from Shane fast, and then that was just pure effort. Uh, Martinook uh, hits it with his stick as the puck was up in the air, and it goes in. Svetch in a loose scrum, he scores for the hat trick. He loves scoring against Edmonton. <laughs> I know he's got six goals on the year, which is awesome. I know from and it's from Aho and Dehan. And then the last goal was all on um, their goaltender. It wasn't Stuart Skinner. It was Jack Campbell. Yeah, that was their goaltender. Their goal he just played good. the puck and gave it to Foss, and Foss capitalized on it. Jack Campbell is not a good goalie. Yeah, I I'm I don't I thought he'd be better um than what he was cuz I thought he played pretty good with Toronto but with Edmonton somehow it's just not working Edmonton so far. Edmonton has worse defense than Toronto. Yeah. Right now the only reason why Edmonton probably has better defense than Toronto is cuz Toronto's defense is injured. Like everybody on their defense is injured. And we still couldn't beat them when we played them before. Yeah. But it's a 7-2 to two win for Carolina. At the end of that game, we're all like, yes, Kings have found their offense. Thank then we again. get to the Colorado <laughs> yeah, game. No, but I love – and, you know, the, there was so much good to take out of the Oilers game. Power play looked good. Penalty kill looked fine. Um, they allowed one. But I think overall, I mean, they looked pretty good. Um, I just – Losing Teravine in that game is just that hurt. And he's an important piece, right? I don't I don't I don't know what this team can accomplish without him. Cause he has so much skill, and even though he wasn't playing um well prior to yeah. the Edmonton game, he still brings a lot of skill and that is a huge hole in your top six and Pacioretty's already out too not to mention I mean Kasha only played one game and he's out the concussion so we have quite a few forwards uh, injured which is Uh, deflating we'll see what happens with Kasha I don't know if he ever plays with us honestly we'll see right we'll see with Kasha Uh, be nice for him to play again but it just it just doesn't seem like it's in the cards. He always seems to get hurt. I hope he comes back. Yeah, I I, I do too. Um, I mean, my whole thing. Maybe we'll get Jake Gardner back in time for the playoffs. Oh my gosh! I mean, my whole thing. I mean, 
we got a lot of players this off season, and quite a few of them, I'm sure you probably notice, are injury prone players. Um, I still love the Max Pacioretty trade. I love it's it. Free we, it was a free player. It was a free player. Yeah, you're just paying for him. It's a contract. That's yeah. it. Yeah, uh, but I mean, Pacioretty injury prone. Kasha, he's injury prone. I mean, it'd be nice if we could get a player that isn't so much injury prone. And but I mean, honestly, I don't know if Carolina's willing to pay that price. And we've talked about that before, uh, before on the podcast of. Willing to pay the price to get a true number six forward. And to me, that's what this team is lacking, particularly a second-line center. I'm struggling with KK right now. I don't know. I I feel like he's doing... He's not getting on the score sheet, but I feel like he's doing what he needs to do. But if you're in a top-six role, you're going to have to eventually get points. Absolutely. Eventually. This is a have-to thing, not like, well, you don't really have... No, you have to. And at the end of the day, you just have to look out and see what's there to bring in. So, And I think a lot of that's going to be dependent on what you're willing to move out. So, you know, if you want that top six forward, the center specifically for the season, if you're trying to make it win the cup, in my opinion, the only player out there available is Jonathan Taze. I cannot think off the top of my head another top six center Second line center, because that's what he is at this point, that's available to come into your organization. And they would have to retain how ha- you would have to pay a lot to get him, obviously. But you'd have to find you'd probably have to funnel his contract through another team. And at that point, you're probably having to dish somebody out who's gonna make make who also has a decent cap hit. So at that point is it you move KK. Which they will not do. No, they will not move KK. But at that point it's like, okay, who who has to leave? Because you know Pacioretty gets healthy, if he's playing, you still have to make a move anyway because someone's going to come out of the lineup. So might as well move a piece or two. Yeah. And, you know, a pick. And look, if they keep the first round pick for this coming draft, I'm going to think they're stupid. Move it. If you can move it and bring in a top six forward and get them to retain like half of their cap and then funnel it through and then let them retain half of that, do it. I mean, do it. It makes sense. Oh, I sense. agree. Uh, I think if Teravinen's LTIR'd, I think you then move into the direction of trying to get something better. But we'll see. I think this team's. I think this team, even without Teravinen, is a playoff team. Oh, they like, are. I think that's it. They are a playoff team. I don't know if they're number one Metro without him, but they're still a playoff team. I don't see them finishing anywhere outside of a playoff spot. If they do, Connor Bedard, woo. Um, but I, I don't think that's realistic to think that they're going to fall out, even without Tavo. Although I, I I do think it is time to start being worried, and I'll explain that after we go through the Colorado game. Yes, so let's start with the Colorado game. Uh, first period. To me, this was the most frustrating period. Uh, McCarr scores, and that is completely luck. Off the boards, and it hits Ronta Skate, who Ronta played another gr- we played a very good game. And it goes in. And I think, yeah, it's the second goal where McCarr scores as well, where Rantanen has the puck. He kind of cross-checks DeHaan. I thought that was a I thought it was. That should have been a penalty. And not only that, he elbows Chatfield. And prior to that sequence, uh, Jordan Stahl clearly got boarded because it was on the numbers he was cross-checked on. 
I'm normally not yelling at my TV, but on that second Colorado goal, I was yelling at my TV. Yeah, it it's frustrating. I'm not going to talk about officiating anymore because I just don't like talking about it. I will because I love to talk about it. I think the officiating was about as bad as it could be in this game. I thought Carolina actually had a lot of power plays, but there was a lot of missed calls. And honestly, you can only chalk that up to home cooking. I don't understand it. Hurricanes fans do not... I'm not arguing that the penalties that Carolina takes are not penalties. I'm not going to make that argument because I think Carolina can do better at uh, discipline. Just call it even. If you call the board on Svechnikov or whatever it was, he got penalized for basically just a hit. It was a clean hit in the shoulder against the boards. I'm sorry. Who cares? I don't care if that was Connor McDavid. And that's a clean hit. But then Jordan Stahl numbers to the boards, hit into the boards, a dirty and dangerous hit. Goes uncalled. No, I, I don't care at the end of the night. I don't know who had more power plays versus penalty kills. Carolina, I think, had five. I do not know what Colorado had. I don't care. Which leads us to another issue with the power play. I, I'm, mm, I don't know why I like more, the PK or the power play. Maybe the PK a little bit more, but they're both, bad. They're both pretty bad right now. In order to be a playoff team, I had, you know, someone once told me that in order to be a playoff team, you need to be 500, at least 500 on the road. You need to win about three, you need to win a good chunk of your home games. You need to be in the top 10 on the power play, top 10 on the penalty kill. And they need to maintain that in the playoffs. Carolina's in the 20s, low 20s. I'm sorry, high 20s for, I think, the power play is like 26th. And the penalty kill, I think, is like 21st. I'm not sure. I could be wrong. But they're not good. They're in the bottom half of the league for both of those things. I don't know. Carolina's penalty kill hasn't changed a lot from last year to this year. It really hasn't. It's still the same pretty much core. So I don't know what's going on there. Video coaching from other teams on how to adapt. that's, That's probably true, too. And Carolina is very aggressive on the penalty kill. But I think it's time to consider changing it up and cha- figuring it out. The power play. They, they, every time it's successful, it's when you've got Svech and Natchez on their offsides. Right? And Ovi's office. That's when they're good. That's when they look good, because they're getting those chances. But whatever reason, after they get one, they switch it back up again. And they flip-flop them when they're on their, on their normal sides. Oh, dear God, did you not learn? And, and for whatever reason, they don't seem to learn. And look, maybe it's time to put Stahl out on the power play. He's a big dude. He can score. Put him in front of the goal. That's, yeah. That works. Yeah, that's another problem, too, is there's not really a lot of net front presence. Uh, Nason, he does it at times, but he doesn't always stand in front of the goalie. I have noticed that. He doesn't. Now, he's around the goal a lot, which makes him a, a little bit of, a, of an effective player. But you don't really have anybody, any net front presence, which makes it easier for the goaltender to see the puck. And like what you just said is uh, you don't really have a one-time position. The only one-time position you have is the bumper position with Ajo. And uh, we can just talk about this since we're on the Colorado game. Ajo had a very, very poor game. Uh, I I mean, we're on the power play... uh, I can't remember which power play it was. They all look the same to me, but Ajo whiffs on the bumper position. Yep. 
And I'm just like, this doesn't work. So here's a just lot. some stats. Carolina had basically what the equivalent would be of ten, uh, they had five power plays. Colorado had four. So you could say, oh, why are we complaining about officiating when Carolina had more power plays? Well, because one hit was dangerous. And not calling it is not a good message to send to, to players like Tom Wilson, for example. But Carolina was 0 for 5. Colorado was 1 for 4. That says a lot for special teams. That's not good. Here's another stat. Shots on goal, 28 for Colorado, 25 for Carolina. Blocked shots, 17 for Colorado, only 6 for Carolina. Takeaways, 6-5, pretty even. Hits, Colorado was a more physical team, 13-10. to 10. I thought there were more hits than that in this game because at some point Carolina was actually getting a little bit physical with Colorado. They were getting mad. Yeah, they were. But either way, at the end of the day, Carolina blows it. And I like it. You know what? I like it when they get mad. I like it when Jordan Stahl gets mad because sometimes that passion can go into wanting to be a better player. That was, I mean, they played good last night. I'll give it to them. I mean, I know they lost, but they played, that line played very good. Yes. Uh, th- that line has been the most consistent line ever since Martin Nichols put on there with uh, Stahl and Faust. And they proved it with Stahl scoring from Martin Nook. Great pass, great goal, fireful from Stahl. You needed that. But the Hurricanes' top players, this is the issue. The Carolina's bottom six players have more effort than the top six. They bring more effort. And Jarvis, like, and players like Jarvis have not really shown up yet. No, Jarvis hasn't and I'm shown not, up. And I'm not about to, I am not about to weigh, put put any weight on him because the dude's his, fre- his sophomore year. You get sophomore slump. It happens. He shouldn't have that kind of pressure on him because he's young. You have a bad year. It's expected. I'm not mad at him at all. I just think that means when Patrick comes back, Jarvis is the one who gets moved down, and that's fine. Let Jarvis play on some of the lines, get him exposure to other a- aspects of the game. Um, but you just you still at the moment that's what he needs to score. He needs to score. He can score. He's a finisher. Let him let him put. He needs to put the puck in the net. Yes, and I'm and I'm about to advocate a since we have Jerry up, and I kind of forgot to put that on our show notes here, but Jerry got called up. And I mean, I thought I thought he played very well in the. I think it was the Edmonton game, yeah. where he that was his first game. I thought he pre- played pretty well in Carolina. Um, I didn't think he played as well with the Colorado game, but a lot of players were on their game. Colorado, it was just Ronta and the third line that showed up against Colorado, but. I would advocate for Drury to be in the top six and put KK on the fourth line. I'm almost at that point. Um, if you do it, you got to do it against Chicago. Yeah. Because I still think KK's got more skill and more offensive awareness than Drury. But I'm not saying it, it couldn't change. I think Drury I has more smarts Ch- than KK. I need more. I need more. I need more uh, exposure to Drury. I need to see more before I would be willing to do that permanently. But I think against Chicago, it's a team you can experiment that with. See what see what the chemistry is. I think I think Brandon Moore needs to try it. But I would not I've, try it against Colorado. No. Try it against Chicago before you try it against 
Colorado. Yes. Um, but I mean, I've noticed with Brenda Moore, he has a, the tendency of going back to the lines he preferred at the start of the season. KK was Fetch and Netris, Ajo, Teravine, and Jarvis. Now, that's been different now because Teravine's on LTIR, but Brenda Moore, I he's can tell LTIR. he's. He's just hurt. Oh, that's right. Just, he, just that's right. He's just on IR. But. Yeah, I mean it's an issue. Uh, I and I like Nason. I do. I don't know if I would put him on the first line with Aho and Svetch. Oh, I don't know. We want to wait and see. See what they do. See what kind of moves they make. But now I want to kind of just talk about something that I think it's important to understand. Carolina's record is nine five and one. That's not a bad record. We're not saying it's bad. But I want to talk about those nine wins, five losses, and an overtime loss. Carolina's got 19 points on pace for 111. Carolina, of those nine wins, have only won two against playoff team. Current teams who are currently sitting in a playoff spot. Seattle. Edmonton. That is unacceptable. You need to be able to beat teams who are in a playoff spot. Because guess what? The teams that aren't, aren't going to be there in the playoffs. You can't beat them. You can beat them. That's what you're supposed to do. You can't find a way to win against the Colorados of the world, the Islanders of the world, the Torontos of the world. You're in a lot of trouble. And Carolina hasn't even beaten an Eastern Conference team who's in a playoff spot. And that's who you're going to play. Most in the playoffs. Yes, some people think Edmonton, Carolina, that's a potential Stanley Cup final. That would be awesome. That'd be fun. But, or so far, you have beaten Washington. They are not a playoff team currently, as of today. I honestly think they missed the playoffs this year. I, I do not think Washington is good. I don't think they're good enough to, to make it. They just have too many injuries. Too many injuries, too old of team, and they're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, Philadelphia. They got started good. They're also probably not going to make the playoffs. Buffalo, they also they started good. They're probably not going to make the playoffs, but they could give a push. They could surprise. Of the teams that are out here, I think they could surprise. Tampa Bay, they'll probably find a way to make it in, so if you want to count that win, that's fine. Make it three win, three of the nine against playoff teams. They're currently sitting outside looking in early in the season. But either way, it's a concern. You're losing to teams that are in the playoffs consistently. You cannot lose to the Islanders as bad as you did. You cannot lose to Toronto like you did. You cannot keep having these games where you're just not showing up and you're not winning against playoff teams. Are you going to win them all? No. But you cannot look bad. Because against the Islanders, Carolina looked bad. At home. That's embarrassing. You cannot lose to Toronto who put in their backup goaltender. I'm sorry, their third-string goaltender. That's not good. There are a lot of things that are very concerning. And so far at home, it has not been good. They have not been elite at home. Carolina has won one, two, three, four games, and have lost one, two, so they're four and two. At home? Yeah, that that's nowhere near what they did before. 
and you lose to Toronto and the Islanders. You lose to Toronto 6-2, to two, and you can only pop one goal against Toronto, a backup goaltender. Again, third-string goaltender. If you lose just one, I mean, losing, I'm concerned about the trends. Not about where they are in the standings, not about what they're doing, because there are more teams who will miss than there are who are going to, they're about even, right? So you get the points you get when you play against non-playoff teams. It's fine, good, got to do that to make it. But it's a concern when you're not able to start beating the teams who are in the playoffs. And you can make the argument, oh, see, if you want to take a team out, if you want to take a team out, um, take Seattle. That's fine. If you want to move someone in, move Tampa Bay, and it's still only two of nine. So it's seven games you're winning. So if you wanted, again, the Islanders are a playoff team. Toronto's a playoff team. Florida's a playoff team. You've lost to all three of those. Edmonton, Calgary's a playoff team. You've lost to them. So you lose to Colorado. So, so far of your, of your losses, Edmonton, Calgary, the Islanders, Florida, Colorado, five. Five of, let me make sure I'm getting it right, five of their six losses are playoff teams. Five of six. You want to know the one loss? I think, let's see, who was the one loss that we had against a non-playoff team? Or against, it wasn't been a non-playoff team. That would have been, I must be looking at it wrong, uh, you know, Calgary, Edmonton, Islanders, Toronto, Florida, Colorado. So no, all of our losses have come against playoff teams. All of them. Every single one. Well, Calgary's not in a playoff position. <laughs> no, well, not current, but they will. I mean, you know, I'm just saying, these are teams that are elite. And, you know, Calgary, at the end of the day, they will be. They're a point back. It's, they're, they're a team that's probably going to still do very, very well. These are good teams that we're losing to. And if you wanted to take that team out, that's also fine. But we're losing to teams in the playoffs. Yeah. That's, that's, that, there, there's call, am, am I saying it's time to panic? No. I'm saying I'm seeing a trend, and it makes me nervous. Because Carolina has played 15 games. I want to see a turnaround by, by New Year's. Because if we're still playing like this, where we're losing to playoff teams, but we're only able to win against non-playoff teams, that might be a recipe for a playoff spot. That is not a recipe for a cup contender. No, it's not. And what's funny is that last season, uh, the problem that we had was um, flip-flopped. Uh, we were playing great against playoff teams, but when it came to teams outside of the playoffs, I think of New Jersey as kind of one of them last season. We didn't play well. So it's interesting how that has kind of flipped, flipped flop um, looking at the recent games so far this season. And I, I agree with you. We should not be um, scared right now because this team is still in a playoff position. They're still a great team. They should not freak out. And I see a lot of fans right now, especially on Twitter and Facebook, that are freaking out about this team. We should not freak out, but there are concerns. And to me, the concerns that need to be addressed are the concerns that show up consistently. I still think Ajo is going to be a pretty good 
player of the season. Has he late? Has he not had good games uh, uh, this week? I agree. He has not had good team, good games. But I think Aho will get back to the, his game. I do think uh, Svech, he's been playing good. He's the highlight, and so has Netches. I think Netches has been the best forward in the top six for this Hurricanes team. But the <coughs> consistent concerns I want to point out, KK, he hasn't really shown anything. Uh, Jarvis, I know he's young, but I still think there is more to give from Jarvis. And Teravainen, he hasn't played that well either, but he's on IR right now. So there needs to be someone to step up. Maybe that's Drury. That's why I consider putting him in a top six type of role, just to see how it works. Just to see. And I think Chicago's a great game to do that. Yeah, Chicago's a good game to kind of experiment with doing you know certain things with certain players, right? And I think that's a good way to go. Uh, like I said, I'm only expressing patterns that I'm seeing, right? I'm just talking about the numbers, raw numbers, where it might be time to be concerned, not time to panic. Time to panic is if they draw even, like, you know, they lose four, five, six straight, then you got to be like, hmm, what's wrong, right? So um, that's when you evaluate everything, and that's just natural. So, and I tell, and I'm going to tell all the fans this too, you know, like if we get to a point where we're losing five, six, seven games in a row, don't get mad at the fans who have out here, who start to get concerned too, because it's, you know, they're not complaining. They're just, there's, that's time to be concerned. That's a lot of losses in a row for a playoff team. So if you hear fans say, uh, oh, you know, it might be time to make a move. Don't get mad at them. Oh, you might want to look at the coaching. Well, don't get mad at them because as a, as a general manager and an owner, you know, Tundon and Wada will do that. They will look at everything because you have to. That's called doing your job. And I still have trust in them. Yeah, and I do as well. Um, like I said, I do believe that we have to put a time clock on the head coach. That's not popular. But I also believe you cannot keep exiting in the second round. Is that on him? Maybe not. Might be on. Don Waddell. But I think you have to put a time clock on them. If it happens again this year, I think you have to evaluate. I'm again not saying it's on them, but I think you have to look at both of them and say which one of you is not doing what you need to do. Because if it's Don Waddell, what why aren't you going out to get the player that we need to get over the hump? If it's Rod Brendan Moore, why aren't you able to get these players to over the hump? If they believe, right? And that's where you'll see. If they believe it's the group. If they believe it's the players, they might take a shot at, you know, it's a, you trade, you change coaching staffs. If they believe it's management with the incapability of bringing in a player, you take it out on the general manager. And at that point, um, I can't remember his name. Tolsky would take over. Oh, yeah, he would in a heartbeat. And to be honest, I think Tolsky has kind of been the um, actual GM behind the scenes and Don Waddell is kind of the spokesperson. And that's possible. That's definitely possible. But I think you have to look at as a big picture, right? What does Carolina need to do in the next couple of years? They need to win a Stanley Cup. They have this window. I think it's bigger than most people say, but if you want to do it with this core, it's two years. It's when Ajo's contract is up. And no, I believe we could bring them all back. Sure. I think we would have the cap space to do it. Because you give Aho a two million dollar raise, he's earned to give it. Give the man whatever the hell he wants. That's what I believe. 
Um, I still think Jarvis is going to get a big payday. And he will, too. Um, at the end of the day, I don't know if you bring Tara Vinen back, if I'm honest. I don't know if you if that's the right move. I don't know if you bring back Brady Shea. I think that's dependent about where where Morrow is in the equation of his development. Because <laughs> that's the kind of player you're bringing in, right? So it's I think you only bring back two of the Brady Shea, Brett Pesci, and Jacob Slavin. Only you have the cap space for all. So Morrow will replace one, and I think you're good on the back end for your top four. You still have Brent Burns for three years. Um, but I think it's important to understand the window. I am not, I mean, before people get mad at me and at us, I am not advocating for firing of Rod Brindamore. I am not saying that. I'm saying if you get to the point where we start to see a consistent loss out of exiting the playoffs again after two years, I think you have to look at the whole, you have to look at a big picture of the organization of where and why are we failing. And I believe that's what they should do. They should look at it all. I don't think Rod Brendamore is the problem. I don't think he is. I, and to be honest, I really don't know where the problem is if we're looking at this from a management point of view with Waddell, Tolsky, Brendamore. But if I had to speculate, and this could be a little bit biased in this because I, I do love Rod Brendamore. I would think if someone was to get fired, it'd be either Waddell or slash Tolsky, however you want to view it. Because I think I could see uh, the assistant uh, offensive coach go to. Oh, Jeff Daniels. I, th- I think you could see the coaching staff around Rod go before Rod would go. Um, well, he loves his coaching staff. And I tend to believe that there would never be the need to fire Rod Brindamore anyway. I think if he felt he couldn't do it, he would step down. I think that's who he is. Rod would oh, step down. Oh, you think he would pull a Paul Maurice type of move? Like if Rod Brindamore believes he cannot win with the, with with this team and he cannot do it, the need to fire wouldn't be there because I don't think the organization would do it anyway. I think he would just step down. Yeah, uh, I mean, we'll see if that happens or not. But I, I do wonder if there is a little bit more heat on the Waddell-Tolsky side. Man, because, I mean, they've had very good trades. They really have. Yeah. But, I mean, we've talked about this before. They have never really paid that price of getting a top six for And to, I could see that being the reason why. But you have to ask, is that Don Waddell and Eric Tolsky? Or is that Tom Dundon? Who won't pay the price? Let me be very careful. I think we'll know what this team says about itself at the deadline. Right. If you don't move that first-round draft pick, I think that says a lot. Now, if you're not in a playoff spot, no, you, do, you don't move it. You just keep playing and hope that you somehow make it, because at that point, you're possibly giving out a lottery pick. And yes. in this draft pick, you don't do that. You don't. This draft is too good. If you just missed the playoffs, you still don't trade it because you never know you could get lucky like the Hurricanes did and got Svetch. So I don't care. If you're for somehow the Hurricanes find themselves on the outside looking in at the deadline, you keep the pick. You don't try to somehow miraculously save your your season. You but just, if you, you but if on. you have a secured playoff position, you need yes. to go for it. Yeah, absolutely. You move it, you do what you gotta do. I've I mean Pacioretty's you're probably not gonna do better than Pacioretty at the deadline, but 
if you can be in the conversation for Kane, Taze, whoever else is available at the deadline, be in the conversation. Yeah. Because um, if it goes to Colorado, you're screwed. If he goes to New York, you're really screwed. You cannot, let me be clear, you cannot let that player go to an Eastern Conference team. Whatever the Rangers, you need to tell Chicago, whatever the Rangers offer, we will do that and some. You cannot let that happen. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot. You cannot let an Eastern Conference team get better and you sit on your laurels. That is what Carolina has done every single season. Except for one, the year they brought in Trocek. It's the only year they did something at the deadline that was good. Max Domi, whatever. Okay, what, when we traded, what, um, was it Flurry for uh, oh, Hockenpah, whatever. Yeah. You just swapped. Who cares? That doesn't do anything. Uh, I haven't done anything. Do something. Don't be afraid. Make a move. Who cares if you trade? If you trade Suzuki, it doesn't seem like he's ever going to make the roster anyway. Trade him. Someone will want him. Someone will give him a shot. Where you don't seem to be interested in doing that right now. I'm not saying I'm mad about that. I'm saying it's just not the way the roster is. I think you have to do something like that. I don't think they're going to do it unless, let's say, Terravina is going to be out until the playoffs. Then I think you pull the trigger on the first round pick. But I think they're kind of, to me, set on when you get patched ready, that's your trade deadline. Uh, pick when Patch Ready is healthy. That's the way that I've kind of seen this team right now. Uh, but again, listen, I'm not an insider. I wish I was, but that's the way I see it right now. Is I th- I still think Patch Ready coming back will be their deadline acquisition. So yeah, fun speculative topics that we have discussed there. Let's get to our 25th anniversary. Um, segment i can't remember who went first last time was it me or you thank you <clears throat> i think it was you so you want to go first yeah okay um <laughs> let me think um uh you know Sometimes it's hard to think of them because the Dark Ages just kind of blur together <laughs> with this team. Um, you know what? I'm going to go with uh, with one from a more recent game. Uh, and we talk, and I talked about this with Adam Gold. If you want to listen to that episode, go back and talk about it. Uh, when John Forsland is simultaneously calling the Carolina Hurricanes game and the Montreal Caps game. And he's oh, yeah, back that, and forth. Yeah, that game. You know, it's 10 seconds left here, four seconds left there, and guess what? The Carolina Hurricanes are on their way to the Stanley Cup playoffs. That, that, that is, that, you know, as a Hurricanes fan, you know, that was probably one of the most emotional games for any fan. I was not able to be at the game. I was in college, but I was on, I, I was like in front of the TV on my knees, just like crying. Like, I was just so happy. My roommates were like, why are you crying? I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> We have been out of the play, have not been relevant for over, for about a decade. And to get back to relevancy, and then to see the emotion from Peter Morazic, Mike Maniscalco, and the whole team when it goes up on the board, and they're just all so excited on the ice, and then they salute the crowd, I think that's just a great, great, great uh, memory, and a great thing to look back on. 
for this franchise. Um, and Peter Mrazek saying, yes, yeah, yes, that, that we're in. That was such a good moment for the Hurricanes and the organization and the fans. So that was good to see. Yeah. I also remember that game, too. Uh, Hurricanes posted it on their social media, but it was Mike Maniscalco going up to Rob Brindamore and saying, hey, you guys made the playoffs. And Brindamore's reaction, he was like, oh, yeah. yes. Uh, you, you can tell his face really lit up there. And I was yeah. happy to see Brindamore's reaction to that. Oh, absolutely. It was good. He deserved it. He earned it. That was definitely one of my favorites. Uh, what I can definitely remember. All right, vividly, because I, I know exactly where I was when that happened. Yeah, I remember where I was too during that time. And I was in my apartment at college. Um, my turn. So I would think one of my favorite highlights of the Hurricanes, looking back over the years would probably be you know what I am going to do the shock at the rock and this was uh, 2009 playoffs against New Jersey Mm. and it was game 7 at New Jersey this is one of my special moments Um, Eric Stahl uh, twice scores uh, within like 30 seconds I believe it was 30 seconds. I can't remember, but I know it was within a short time span between the two goals to beat probably the best goaltender in the world in Brodor and Hurricanes um, advance in the playoffs. That was one of my favorite moments. Uh, a lot of my favorite moments came from that 0-9 run. Uh, I mean, I remember I think I told the miracle finish last week. Um there's also the Scotty Walker goal that I loved, but uh, that's definitely one of my favorite memories was the uh, shock at the rock. Definitely a very great game to remember. And I remember I was um, at the house I grew up in with my parents. I was watching it actually alone. And I was like, yes! I was really animated because the Hurricanes uh, eliminated New Jersey. Really happy during that time. And yeah, great, great memory. I love love talking about memories of the Hurricanes. We've had a lot of great players throughout the years. Oh yeah, for sure. A lot of good, a lot of good players, a lot of good teams. Definitely. Well, if you like this episode, please rate, comment, and subscribe so you never miss another episode. And if you want to keep up to date on us, you can follow us on both Instagram and Facebook. We have, uh, well, sorry, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we, we both have our. Uh,